Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone, and we are talking about Babylon 5 Season 3, Episodes 11 through 13, Ceremonies of Light and Dark, Sick Transit Veer, and A Late Delivery from Avalon. Uh, so, Adam, why don't we get started on uh, 11, Ceremonies of Light and Dark? Sure, Ceremonies of Light and Dark, the... Uh two threads moving through this one. Delenn is trying to get a ceremony of light and dark going, as the uh, title implies, which is a rebirth ceremony that she wants to do just, you know, with the whole changeover on Babylon 5, she feels it'll be a cleansing thing. And uh, at the same time, we've got the the remnants of the Earth loyalists, the uh, undercover members of Nightwatch, are still doing their scheming underground and want to want to hit the land she's they decided she's the weak point if they can get her the minbari will stop protecting babylon 5 and then earth can move back in and uh and londo also gets up to some shenanigans as well those are the uh things going on in this episode what'd you think of this one i thought this was a really good episode i was it was intense it was yeah. a very intense episode. It had a little bit of a love boat feel at times because there was so much romance in the, or there were so many <laughs> confessions of love and affection going on in the, in the episode. And, uh, um, and the thing with Londo, I thought was really interesting. I, I, I was very, I, the, the scene with the poison, um, yeah. I, I was really enjoying, um, so yeah, so it was a very intense episode. I thought that the, what I liked was. This Night Watch stuff is stuck around. It's not like they just got rid of them, you know, overnight. They're clearly still a problem, and they're having trouble figuring out who's who is in Night Watch, how many people in their organization are compromised, and yeah. the people they got to play these guys were like I don't know who they were, but they were. I mean, they were over the top in terms of casting. Like the the leader, you know, he there was he had he had he had character history written all over his face. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, it's just kind of funny from the standpoint. It's like we need an undercover guy there, someone discreet. Let's get let's get the squinty guy with the. With the I mean, it was just like, I mean, it was, he was great casting. No, I'm not by by all means. But he, but, he uh, was one of these actors you could picture him ripping ripping a person limb from limb with his bare hands. And, yeah. And then he's got that psycho sniper buddy of his. I can't remember his name. But he's just yeah. like that um, guy. Well, is, yeah, they just call him Sniper yeah. in the credits. I think is what he's called. That's his name. He yeah. was out to lunch. That guy. He he was just completely nuts. <laughs> he's he's singing nursery rhymes about slaughtering Mimbari, and he he clearly it doesn't really matter if it's Mimbari or human. I think I think he just has an itch to kill people and a really he's a serial killer basically like this guy yeah is not he's right. channeled he's channeled his serial killing into a useful profession yeah. Yeah. But... <laughs> and so and uh and and so but these are like these are obviously the people that the night watch used to do the dirty work these are not like the other guy we saw before who even though he's a member of night watch and he's basically a horrible person he wouldn't go around doing needlessly terrible things to people he would he would you know, it's all sort of flowing from his ideology, all of his badness. These guys, yeah. you know, so he could be, he could be, he could be restored in a way if he saw, you know, if, if he were to sort of see things in a different light. But these guys, these guys are fundamentally just broken <laughs> and evil. 
And uh, and I think Delenn even says that to one of them. She says like, you know, there's like basically no hope for you. Like yeah, uh, um, yeah, yeah. Even Barty went crazy during our war. Then we got better, but you're <laughs> you stayed out there. <laughs> so, but yeah, and Lanier confesses his love for uh, for Delenn. Um, yeah, which yeah. I don't know. He's he actually said that at the. Or is this no, the first time? no. It's, so it, it's mean, just been obvious then. It's just been, it's been obvious. Funny. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was yeah. like, well, that's not much of a secret, Lanier. That's pretty. That's pretty widely known, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us something better for the ritual. That doesn't count. Doesn't count. But uh, <laughs> and I gotta say, so I know I'm skipping all over the place, but so oh, that's so, fine. So they do the so the whole thing is they're doing the ceremonies of light and dark, and it gets interrupted by this, and they have to conduct it while Delena's in recovery after she's been rescued. And part of the ceremony is everybody has to go up to her and basically say a secret. And so uh, Sheridan's is pretty cool. He says he's in love with her pretty much. And, yeah. And so you know that you know that their 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 love story is sort of at full full development now it's and, such a sheridan thing too with kind of the fairly optimistic personality it's like his his secret he dredges up is oh that's nice that's, yeah. that's what a wonderful secret but, uh, <laughs> yeah he doesn't talk about the the the, the questionable things he might have done during the war it's, yeah uh, no he's the one everyone else their secrets are yeah, but yeah but not him and ivanova <laughs> says that she might have been in love with uh talia yeah, but then Franklin comes in, and this is like got to be the most '90s moment of the, even an '80s moment. I think I have a problem. That was, I think, <laughs> and so you know, back then that was like how you opened up the drug conversation. Um, and so yeah, uh, yeah, I'd go with '80s would be my thing. There. Yeah, yeah, or '90s. Yeah, it was but, very uh... punky Brewster. It was a very punky <laughs> Brewster type thing. Um, and, and yeah, so so, but I thought overall it was a good episode, and it was exciting. Yeah. Um, and I like sort of, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, 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 you know, I've got a problem thing too. It, it's such, it being such a, a cultural, you know, re- reference too. I'm like, as I'm in Bari, she just has no clue what he said. You know, she's just sitting lying there in her bed. <laughs> I was thinking, I'm like, she's like, uh, okay. Th- thanks Franklin. <laughs> um, that's good for you. That's a good but, point. Uh, that's a very good point. <laughs> um, and uh, and I guess the uh, the other thing I like too is uh, the Lanier and um, and the Marcus sort of situation where he talks about his love for Delenn, but more importantly, we see Marcus like ripping apart the uh, the the bar where you know where, <laughs> this place where he has all these contacts. And 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 the thing that's cool is after we see how how much of a badass Marcus is, Lanier sort of sheepishly comes in and Marcus pisses him off somehow. And Lanier just grabs him and lifts him up off the ground and is like, we might yeah. look like you, but we're not you. And you should remember that. And then he puts him down. And and that was, I thought, a very powerful moment because it it really did. You often sort of wonder like, well, the you know, the different alien races, a lot of them do look really human. And you need these occasional reminders of how, you know, what what actually separates them from humanity. Um, yeah. And so with with um, the Centauri, it's the six penises, which we find out about plenty in the next episode and 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 with uh with the mimbari that super degree like uh lanier is not somebody that you think of as is is uber strong do you know he's and so yeah they they played it off before i mean we had the uh all the way back in season one when he and londo went off on their you know misadventure together in the casino where we also found out about about uh 
you know, centauri penises too in that episode. But uh, we, uh, um, the, uh, but yeah, in that in that misadventure, the, uh, you know, he he was uh, taking on people right and left there. So it's an established thing, but he just. He's but just I, very good at hiding it. I didn't realize how physically strong he was, though, because this was different. Yeah, that was, that's that true. I could that's attribute true. to like, okay, he's really skilled in martial arts, but this was raw strength that he seemed to be drawing on. That's and true. it was like, okay, there is like a difference of power that is comparable to the difference between a human and like an orangutan or something. Do you know what I mean? Where like the the yeah. mu- you know e- even when the mass is equal, the muscles are not at all the same, and so. Yeah. Uh, so I just thought that was, you know, significant. Um, and they got new uniforms this episode too. So, oh yeah, that's the, uh, end of the episode there. Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about the new uniforms yet though. There's something about those designs that I'm still sort of adjusting to. Um, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the uniforms have, you know, mixed reactions over time. I, uh, I mean, to jump ahead to something from, uh, you know some of the other episodes we've seen in this batch. I I do think that the dress version of them, where they've kind of got the the coat over them, I I like that better than the uh, the standard version. Yeah. Uh, you know, the one that they were in the council. Uh, so I mean, I think that's that's a little bit little less you know Wesley ish <laughs> looking. Yeah, but, I'll, think, uh, I'll keep an eye on them too and see and elaborate on any criticisms I have. Um, yeah. Yeah, I yeah I, I don't know. I, it's they, they are I, I don't know. I'm fine with them, but I I, I know what people are saying when they complain about them. <laughs> but my my favorite scene is when Londo poisons Rifa's drink. That was my yeah. favorite scene in the episode. I I liked I liked how Londo did it. I instantly gained like a huge amount of respect for Londo in that moment. I lost a lot of respect for Rifa because he should have seen that coming. And I realized, yeah. okay, Rifa is not the intelligent guy I thought he was, maybe. Also, the news that, like, the Centauri are fighting a 12-front war of expansion. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I've played enough strategy games to know that that's not wise. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming that that principle applies to to space. So, uh, yeah. so I'm thinking that Rifa is, re- like, I think Londo is right. The shadows are really going to be a problem if they... You know, like the shadows seem to be very happy to let them spread themselves out thin and make enemies. And Londo seems to at least be aware that that's possibly a bad idea. Um, yeah. And it's, and, uh, yeah, you know, and I, I like that uh, Londo brings Rifa to him, too. You know, that he's like, you know, it's like Londo, I, I get the impression. I, I don't know if it's ever stated in the show, but I feel like, you know, Londo... He, he, you know, even though he's become more powerful, and he's got a lot more clout in the court now. It's like I think I think he's very careful about spending as little time in court as possible for safety. It's like yeah. Babylon Five's kind of his his fortress where he can use his power from remotely without risk of getting murdered by other. No, I realized that because I because re- I was thinking back. Well, number one, that instantly brought me to I Claudius again, and I was thinking of how dangerous the palace is, and yeah, and so you tell yeah, the Babylon Five for all of its threats is probably a safer <laughs> place for him. He can at least yeah. keep a, more of an eye on his food, um, <laughs> which is what I would be worried about. You know, and again, because mm-hmm. I've seen I Claudius, and I know how how devious poisoning can be with, 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 uh, if they're going, if they're going in that direction. Um, but also Rifa let something really big slip. He said that the, the shadows were like, you know, number one, he, he ridiculed Londo for relinquishing this, this, 
tremendous power. But yeah. he also said that they were like his, you know, a key to his his eventual ascension to the throne. And so he, yeah. he told Londo everything. Like, I don't think Londo <laughs> is... I mean, we all kind of know Londo is eyeing the throne, but he's never, I think, made any kind of overt gesture towards it or... Only, only when talking to other, like the Sears and stuff, those are the only people he's brought it up with when he's been kind of seeking, you know, information from Sears. Well, yeah, actually the first Sears he talks to in season one, he doesn't but, bring it up. And, but so. they also know stuff anyway, so it's kind of like... Uh, exactly. Yeah. That's what, yeah, he's just, well, you know, he's not he's not trying to hide secrets from them. But, yeah, so you're, you're right. He's He's... he's Giving away his strategy there, but uh, well, that is, but well, his goal at least, but yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, I, you know, it's just anytime anytime Rifa shows up, you know, it's going to be something interesting, pretty much in this show. He does not he does not do boring boring plot lines. No, it was this was a good one, and uh, and uh, and I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely really interested in that sort of the the court intrigue aspect of the Centauri culture um and I guess that brings us to the next one which is uh Transit Veer yeah and, and this one basically Veer is about to get married like he he uh he he it, I think this episode actually starts on Centauri Prime is that correct it does it starts with Veer on Centauri Prime i playing with the throne as it uh, opens <laughs> and, then there, and then that 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 weird guy i can't remember the prime his name. Minister, he's the prime minister he's i forget prime... his name but yeah he, he but he, he's he's kind of weird and he and he basically uh so the couple of things from the scene i want to talk about but basically he says that you know he's going to send veer to bimbari after he goes to babylon 5 but when veer go gets to babylon 5 there's a woman waiting for him that wants to be his wife and then there's these narn that have like a blood uh, uh, what's the blood oath of the Narn? Uh, Shantar. Yeah, the Shantar. Like... They have a Shantar blood oath against it, or against somebody in his family, but we think it's him at first. And and then we find out that it's his wife because her father uh, has been, like, culling the herds forever. And, she, and she's... Yeah. And I got I do He's... want to talk about that. She's killed, uh, like, a hundred Mimbari. Not Mimbari, yeah. a hundred Narn. Um, her, fa- so, her father is basically a Nazi doctor. Yeah, is, uh, is, is pretty much so, what it is. But in that in that courtroom, number one, the prime minister tells this awful joke. It's just like irredeemable. Like the, he, this yeah. is he, I, my note about him is is Veer meets the least funny Centauri, and he tells the <laughs> joke in front of a bunch of Narn that are behind the door. And so when Veer goes outside, he sees all these Narn, and I'm assuming those Narn are slaves. Is that I would assume that. And yeah. so. I just realized in that moment, holy shit, they are um, they are setting themselves up for a massive revolt with huh. like like all it's going to take is a coordinated attack by the Narn and and uh, you know it, it could be very bad for them. if if you have Narn slaves in the palace that just seems like <laughs> a recipe for disaster like they were a stone's throw from the prime minister you know? yeah um, yeah. I don't think that their spirits are that crushed that they would, you know. Um, so, so the other thing is we we learn about what is it, Abrahamo Lincoln? Is that the? Uh, uh, yes, yes, Abrahamo Lincoln. So, so, yes. so Veer is so so when this blood oath thing sort of emerges, he, he's walking with his wife and he's attacked, and they investigate to find out 
what the uh, cause might have been. Because they're like, well, they're not just going to have a blood oath against you, Veer, for no reason. And he's like, no, there's nothing, nothing, nothing. And and they find out that he's basically um, been helping to get Narn out of, uh, you know, like get, get away to safety by falsifying papers using yeah. his position. And uh, and the cover story that he's cre- he basically fakes their deaths. And... Babylon 5 doesn't realize that the deaths are fake, and so they assume that they're really dying, and that's why the uh, the Narn are coming after him. Um, yeah. But then we learn that it's actually the wife, that the, the wife, like, like we were saying, the wife. So so here's what I like about this. At first, when he first meets the wife, number one, she's she's very beautiful, and mm-hmm. and she's and she's clearly not Veer's type in any way. She's kind of, you know, she's, she's a little vacuous, or there's something that they just don't seem to be operating on the same plane um but she but she also has these disturbing ideas about narn but at first you're like oh well she's just sort of brainwashed by the culture like she's you know she's dismissive she says oh they're narn they don't need an explanation to be violent and then yeah and even that they kind of wait a little while they kind of even kind of parcel those kind of comments out for you know you get a few scenes for without those it's kind of it's a Mm. slow reveal over the episode yeah because at first you think oh she's actually kind of nice because she's like oh when we cross the the threshold i forget what the word was but when we become married it'll be for love and she's all she's saying all the right things in that first meeting and then just with each additional meeting you learn a little bit and then when they get to the final the final moment you know you so so they they miss they mislead you that you you see a narn coming after her and you're like oh she's dead they're gonna kill veer's wife that's the like she's this tiny little (laughs) centauri woman and then the next thing we know veer's in the room with her and she has the the narn tied up and she takes out like a a, i don't remember what kind of weapon it was but it's a really sharp blade and uh and she's like i i saved him for you so you can kill him and and uh and he's like what no no and and she's like what it's easy i've done it like a hundred (laughs) times yeah and and you're like oh my god and then she talks about her father and he you know and like you said he's basically like a nazi like her father is just going around uh basically essentially what they're doing is they're thinning out the aggressive populations of narn in the villages so they're killing all of the aggressive narn with the hopes of eliminating the aggression from the gene pool and so it's very it's very Nazi-esque. It's very sinister yeah. and evil. And, uh, and, and, and Veer is clearly not okay with it, but he's also enough of a Centauri that he's adaptable and he's not gonna like, do you know what I mean? He's not gonna, he's not gonna over, he's not gonna react in a way that's gonna, um, land himself on the executioner's block or anything like that. Um, yeah. So, well, when, when the whole thing comes out about, you know, Veer having, a you know, you know, been smuggling all these people out too. It's you know the thing, the thing, the thing that saves them, of course, is that Londo is the one that got in the position, you know, to be able to do that. Mm. And so Londo's like, yeah, we're covering this up. This is not yeah. coming out. So you know, it, he's you know the, the the reason he survives this is because you know Londo's gonna get get it's going to really damage him if this gets out. So yeah, he, he covers for him this time, but, but yeah, but Veer has lost his position on Minbar and he's on a, on a short leash now. So it's, it's, it's a big loss for Veer. But uh, yeah. And, and the wife's name, I think it was Lindisti. Was that or Lindisti? Uh, Lind- Lindisti, I think was how they pronounced it. Okay, yeah. Lindisti. 
And I mean, and, and again, you know, Veer was clearly at least physically attracted to her. Like that much was, was yeah. really clear. Um, yeah. And he was also, he also asks Ivanova for advice on how to love a woman. Oh, God, and, yes. and I remember thinking to myself, well, how on earth, like, you know, she's not going to have any, con- like, obviously there's a big difference if, uh, you know, given the anatomy. Um, yeah. So, um, but we, but, but here's the funny thing during that conversation, Veer explains that they do in fact have six penises. He's very explicit about it, but each yeah. one is meant for a level, a different level of intimacy and pleasure. And I thought that yeah. was kind of a cool, like, you know, it's kind of a cool concept. Um, and so, so Veer basically, he says like, Ivanova is like, well, you've had experience before, right? And he's like, well, I've only gotten one. And she goes, one, you mean first base? And he's like, no, one, we have, we have six penises and, and basically the first, I guess, get the first one is probably about about at the level of kissing. Like it doesn't like the way he talked about it. It wasn't it wasn't quite at the level of intimacy of yeah. you know of anything beyond uh, beyond that. So I don't know. It was, it was kind of a you know you, I've been curious about the Centauri <laughs> anatomy. So they fully explained it this episode, and you, you know, and they've taken a long time to get here. So it's been it's it's a. Uh, <laughs> But the other, the other, uh, the other part was the space bugs. We had the space bugs that. Uh, oh Rondo yeah, was with. yeah. Of course, I've got that in my yeah. That the, uh, uh, yeah. My my feeling watching that first scene with Londo, uh, you know, smashing the bugs relentlessly and hunting it down. I'm like, this is this is the Breaking Bad episode where where Walter yeah. goes nuts because there's a fly in his lab. That's what this is. But <laughs> yeah, they didn't do that back then. I think so. So we were spared uh the 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 episode dedicated to fly swatting um, yeah, yeah but uh but yeah no that but what i liked about it was again a lot of shows that are science fiction you won't have that you you just you know space bugs won't really be a thing they're they're too much of a modern sort of annoyance um you know you might see it like red dwarf and things like that but uh but usually when it's for comedy and so i liked i liked having the space bug there uh, yeah, and I liked that it was a problem because of all the changes going on at Babylon Five, and they couldn't they couldn't come to his quarters and deal with it because they basically were dealing with so many other things. So, yeah, yeah, they got bigger problems than extermination at the moment. But uh, but the uh, but yeah, and of course the other plot line, and I'll share it in the land have it have a have a date night that uh, gets interrupted. So that was uh, you know you're talking about the whole love boat kind of thing going on. You had that, but <laughs> yeah, because they haven't really kissed yet, right? And that was sort of they, they they started to in that episode, and they did the classic you know Ivanova calling with an emergency right as they were about to kiss thing. It's like ah. Uh... They really, yeah. really shouldn't have those things just automatically see into your quarters. That seems very, like, yeah. anything could be happening. Do you know, anything could be happening. Yeah, um, you think, you think Ivanova wouldn't want to. She's the kind of person who wouldn't want to see what's happening in people's quarters. I so. think she's also the kind of person that wouldn't think about it, though. She would just... That's true. Really... <laughs> yeah, I can see it like there's an emergency code. She just kind of pushes the emergency <laughs> code that, like, you know, jumps through automatically without ringing, you know? It's just like, oh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that would be the explanation that, you know, she just used some priority code to like pop in. And what was the food but, called? Flarn? Is that what it was called? Flarn. Yeah, yeah, that was, they, they brought up, Flarn, Flarn gets brought up throughout the show, but now, I, I. Is it like tofu? Is it, like, I was a little unsure it, what it was exactly. I don't think I've ever explained it. It, uh, it looks like tofu to me, but, uh. <laughs> 
Yeah, because it was cube-shaped in this one. I didn't get a good look the last time, but this time it was cube-shaped, and I was trying to pay attention. But there were other things on there, so I wasn't sure exactly what it was. Um, yeah, that uh, he uh, makes a pretty unappealing-looking meal there. Not not served all that aesthetically, regardless of what it tastes like. But, well, I don't think Sheridan's much of a. Um, I don't know. He's not. He's not. He's not. He, I don't think he's the kind of person you want cooking for you. Um, no, he, he just you know you, you know, and you definitely don't want to cook beyond your skill level when you're doing a situation like that. It's better to go modest and you know, could have served up some nice nice grilled cheese sandwiches, and it would have been an exotic yeah. earth treat. You know, if he if he you know borrowed some of Garibaldi's good cheese that he had stashed somewhere, and you know, and that would have been fun. Want cooking for you? Garibaldi is the one I would trust on that show to cook for. He even brought it up in the episode. Yeah, he even apologized for not being a gourmet like Garibaldi. So, <laughs> but you know, like I said, if you if you got to give you a little bit of, of good quality cheese there, he could have he could have made something with that, and it would have would have been impressive to a Minbari that's never had a grilled cheese sandwich before. That would have been exciting. No, but <laughs> what did you think about the episode? Did you like it? Do you think it was okay or? Yeah, oh uh, yeah, I think it's a this is a very good episode overall. I uh I I very much like it. What was what was your opinion on it? No, I thought I thought that this and the previous episode were both really good. I had a um I had a they both sort of complemented each other very well. And yeah. and this one I thought, you know, it was nice to get like a really solid Veer episode. Uh and you know, he's a, and I think he really's grown as a character a lot. He's becoming much more interesting. And Yeah. It's interesting. He's still he's still very much comic relief in a lot of situations. Like the scene, it's like the scene with Ivanovus. They haven't like stopped him from being funny, but he's become funny and he's become deep at the same time, which is uh, which is a good progression. Well, and it they also haven't... it gives more weight to things because when the funny guy runs into problems, it's usually more concerning than when like you know like if Garibaldi gets shot, you almost don't care. Do you know what I mean? But it's like. <laughs> But if like someone who's always the prankster gets shot, you kind of you know you sort of feel bad. So yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm I think I think I get a better sense of peril when Veer is dealing with things, um, just because I don't want Veer to suffer. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, Veer is Veer is the uh, the, the most. Uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is here, but yeah, he's he's the most you know blameless person <laughs> almost of yeah. anyone on this show. Yeah, he's got, he's got he's the, kind the, of the short... Claudius. He kind of seems like the Claudius of the yeah. Uh, the he's, got, he's got the shortest list of crimes under his belt. <laughs> I think he's he's one of the few characters on the show that hasn't killed anyone. So, and he'd feel bad about it if he did. Do you know what I mean? He, he'd yeah. grapple with it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and uh but yeah i guess we're, we're on to the next episode so, a late delivery from avalon so why don't you explain this one because it's an unusual <laughs> is the, one to explain the uh the episode where king arthur shows up so i think i think that that's the, the best way and king, king arthur played by michael yeah, york that that's that's the magic ingredient here that makes it so so unusual <laughs> if it were any other actor it might be different but with him it's like because I could, I couldn't stop thinking that's Michael York playing King Arthur. Like that was... <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But uh, 
Yeah, it's th- yeah. Did you pick up on the fact they inserted Michael York into the prequel when they when they attack do the initial I, attacks? I don't think yet? I even noticed him in the prequel actually. Yeah, it's like I remember watching the prequel with someone who was first getting into Babylon Five when I, when I was first watching it like on DVD fifteen years ago or so. You know, I was going to get a friend of mine into it. And I was showing the prequel, and it's like, you, and then when they had the scene of them opening fire on, you know, the the uh, you know Ducat ship, you know, the Great Council on board, and he's like, "Was that Michael York?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, it'll make sense later." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I think didn't he have a helmet on or something in that scene too? Like, yeah. Yeah, like I, because I, I'm. Oh, you know what? My attention was drawn to the captain because I was convinced he was an actor. I was convinced he was like. Bruce Campbell uh, yeah. or something. I forget. I thought he was somebody. But he he looked like vaguely like the person. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I, But yeah, I, I kind of wish I had seen Michael York because it would have lent more weight to this episode. Now, when this episode started, I was like, oh no. I was really sort of... I was pissed. <laughs> I was like, you gave me these two episodes and now you're giving me King Arthur? Like, this is bullshit. Like, this is... Because <laughs> yeah. I, I remember our discussions about these kinds of episodes before. And I think it ended it in the only way that would have satisfied me. Number one, the the show rebukes you for being mad that it's King Arthur. The show, I think, is aware that the audience is upset that this is a King Arthur episode. Yeah, because, it's very self-conscious. Yeah, because Marcus at one point is like, don't you real? you know, you just met Jack the Ripper, the Vorlon, all, do stuff like this all the time. They put people in stasis and then bring them back when they're needed. It's not that crazy. And, and I, I, like, I thinking, like the doctor's rebuke, too, that it's like, oh, but his speech patterns are all wrong. Yeah. He wouldn't be speaking in a contemporary language yeah. if he was, you know. But I suspect oh, if we if we investigate Jack the Ripper's speech patterns, we'd find the same thing. But... Oh, yeah. <laughs> especially especially since we're talking about the 25th century, where they're probably <laughs> not even speaking English as we know it anyway. But... Yeah. But yeah, but it was still an interesting thing because there was that sort of conflict between Marcus and the Doctor where Marcus was sort of giving into it and the Doctor was very much resistant to this idea and he was just dealing with it as a psychosis. And Marcus, even when he realized it was psychosis, was, well, it's like helpful for him. So just let him think that he's King Arthur. Like, yeah. But yeah. Where, the, where the thing sort of took a turn for me, number one. Michael York as King Arthur is just very endearing over, over <laughs> yeah. the course of the episode. So you're sort of, you, you, you sort of relent. Like, like I just found myself like really resisting this episode. And then at a certain point, I was just like, okay, this is, you know, this is a King Arthur episode. And at least it's Michael York playing King Arthur. Um, yeah. Cause it could be yeah. 10 times worse. Um, but the, the moment that it turned for me was when Jakar joined him in the bar and they fight together. That is the turn. Yeah. I agree. I was waiting for you to get to that. I was like, I know, I know that's yeah. <laughs> the fact, you know, we talked, I, I was talking like in the ceremonies of light and dark, how, you know, uh, the land wouldn't get the cultural reference, you know, the doctor saying I've got a problem. And mm. here we have Jakar not even realizing there's anything <laughs> crazy about this dude who's who's King Arthur. He doesn't know who King Arthur is. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, this is my kind of guy. <laughs> I've made a friend. You know, it's just he just yeah. takes him as who he is. And that's yeah, it. Everything he's saying, like my knights are dead, to 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 Jakar, that can all be true. He doesn't understand that this is like language from five hundred, not even five hundred years, like like ages ago, ages ago. Yeah. Um. And so 
it, you know, so, so yeah, Jakar is just sort of accepting what he's saying, and it just sounds like, okay, that must be what goes on on Earth. Like, yeah, he's King Arthur. Um, and, and it, but it was cool. It was, it was, an, it was a fun, it was a good moment for Jakar. And, and again, Michael York is, he's got a style that is inescapable and, and was, oh. uh, and worked here. Uh, yeah, I mean, it goes, it, you know, it's, it's ironic. We've already had the Grail episode of this show once. And the same thing we talked about then is it's like, oh, the guy looking for the Grail sells the episode. It's yeah. like, and, you know, if it was any other actor, you'd like, no, no, no. But once again, they've, they've just got the right actor that can suck you into it yeah. and, uh, and make it and, work. And he was believable on two fronts. Number one, I believed he's a believable King Arthur. You can buy Michael York yeah. as King Arthur, but you can also yeah. buy him as this because he's got like the funky nose thing going on. You can buy him <laughs> as the sort of hardened soldier who's got some kind of PTSD and is dealing with all this stuff and going crazy. And so both yeah. seemed equally plausible when it was when they first laid it out as sort of like, which one is it? And very quickly, they they you know, they didn't they didn't they didn't linger on it. They very quickly sort of, you know, this guy's crazy. Um but it was also, I thought, well, when they got to the scenes where he's dealing with it, it was actually pretty moving. And again, I think was. a lot of it was just because it's Michael York. You know, it was just, it was, uh, he did a good job with that. He was able to transition from sort of King Arthur to, like, guy who thinks he's King Arthur but knows he's really crazy. And and then, you know, and they kind of tying it to Delenn, sort of the Mimbari, and I don't know, it worked. It, it was a, it was a, um, I thought that it was interesting that they sort of paralleled the the because I didn't even think of that when I saw the prequel where the where the mis, misunderstanding was 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 basically right out of Arthurian legend that was that was interesting and I and that's a scene that like you know I, re, I remember that scene from grade school uh, sure with the snake and everything so that was that was like you know that was nice um, yeah I I had no recollection of how this episode ended I remembered you know I remember it was the King Arthur episode I remember he and Jakar became best buddies and beyond that I couldn't remember but but yeah I was very emotionally invested at the end you know when he kind of goes into the catatonic state and everything and I'm like oh man you know I I was like I hope he comes out of this because I don't remember if this is one of those dark endings or not you know and so I was I was very happy at the ending when you know Jakar sent him off to uh you know work with his people and everything i was like all right good good deal no and that Happy was a good ending. that was a good ending for him because it's like well he's still got problems i'm sure but like he's found like an outlet that will, yeah you know. <laughs> he's gonna be with the narn he's just even if he does lapse back into being arthur again he's gonna be just fine yeah. that's <laughs> and i think jakar is uniquely equipped to understand that kind of a personality he can kind of yeah. roll with it in a way that works. So yeah, that was, that was, that was a, I was, I was very surprised by this because I really hated it for like the first 15 minutes. <laughs> like, like you have no idea. I wrote, I wrote down a note. I'm going to call these the patchouli episodes. Like I, I, I created it. I'm going to call patchouli? these the patchouli episodes because they remind <laughs> me of being in a new age store with the music and all of like the Arthurian, you know, books and let, you know, like, like, and, and yeah. the patchouli smell. So Some Celtic knots. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, this is that's it. These are patchouli episodes. They're getting a name. And then soon after that, it like really kind of won me over. Um, so. Yeah, well, I think I think the key to understanding this episode is that 
it's a common thing nowadays for shows to like do an episode where it's referring back to their internet fan base. Mm -hmm. And this is, I think possibly the first historical example of it because the, the key scenes in this are the one of Marcus and the doctor arguing about whether or not this could potentially really be Arthur. And the final scene where they're discussing, well, which character is this character? and Which <laughs> character is this character? It's like, it's him just, you know, with the, with the internet, you know, for because basically for years now they've been doing that, and like, and every time they do something like that, we either Lord of the Rings or Arthurian legend or whatever, and he's or Dune, you know, and he's going, it's an original story. There are shades of other things in it, but you can't you can't figure out the story by going every character is every character. Yeah. So this was this was this is JMS reaching the boiling point of just going like, you know, like, boom, I'm doing an episode about this. <laughs> so yeah, so I was I was very surprised. I, I was I was genuinely surprised when we got to that turning point because I was yeah. and, and I and I wouldn't have been it wouldn't have ruined the show for me if I didn't like this episode because this is like the this was the first time this season I even had that reaction. I think every yeah. episode I've been like, wow, 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 wow. And and this one I was like, oh, King Arthur, you say. Um, and, <laughs> and, and, but, it, but it worked in a weird, weird way. It was uh, – and, and, uh, yeah. and, and, and again, I, I think a lot of it comes down to the performances. Without Michael York, without um, – I can't remember the guy who plays Jakar, but without that guy – sort of jumping right in in the in, in the in the middle of the fray and you know getting into it it, yeah. it just wouldn't have worked so yeah i love i love to kind of watching the scene for a while you know <laughs> he's just watching him interact with these thugs and it's just you know <laughs> and the he funny, just waits till the right moment the funny thing is too that scene was almost pitiful before jacquard jumped in i was like oh this is like bad '90s TV. I can feel it. Like he's walking around with his sword, and it just all looked weird and bad. And then Jakar gets in, and I was like, I was fully on board. So <laughs> it was it was probably yeah. my most surprising reaction that I've experienced, you know, watching the show, because um, I was very aware of the shift going. That like it was like a it was like a switch went off midway through the episode. Yeah. No, I I remember watching this the first time and I was just like, oh, this is, I, I went through the same process. <laughs> and some people do hate this episode. Some people don't make the turn mm. that we made. But, you know, they just they just decided they hated it and they hate it. But but yeah, I this this just does feel almost like a bar bet, you know, Straczynski took where I'm going to do a crazy <laughs> episode where, where it's all Camelot legend and stuff and I'm going to make it work. And, and he did. So, you know, at least for me. So I, yeah, I'm curious, what would you say is the percentage? Like, what, where do you think the uh, lineup is with people in terms of how many are opposed to this episode still and how many are in favor of it? Man, it's hard to say because, I mean, we're talking about you know, internet reaction from the nineties. And mm. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I mean, it's, there's a, there's a lot of complaints about it on the internet. There, there were a lot back in the day, but it's, you know, it's, you know, it's the usual thing. The complaints are usually louder than the people going, you know, I, I thought it was pretty good. You know, okay. that's what sticks in your mind. So I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you the breakdown, but, but I, I will defend this episode as working. And... Yeah, I, I definitely like this episode. I mean, again, I, I had a very strong negative reaction at the initial outset, but it was so it was it, that turn 
made all of the negative stuff like work. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, um, and so I feel like it was deliberate. I feel like, like you said, like he kind of knew what he was doing here. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's it's you know, and the and the the episode where where a show is responding to its internet fans too has become such a toxic cliche too. But it's like it's it is done as that, but it's also done as a very sincere, meaningful episode about this guy who thinks he's King Arthur. Yeah. So it, it it it's fine. It's like he's winking, but he's also giving you a a real plot too. Yeah. It's not just winking at you. So. Yeah, no, the quality's there to back it up. And I think that's another thing that does set a lot of these episodes apart too, is that, you know, there might be, there's sometimes a clever idea at work, but on top of the clever idea, there's just quality, you know, in terms of the writing or the acting or whatever it is, there's, yeah. there's a, you know, something that, that's holding it together beyond just the clever idea. And so, so yeah, so I, I, I again, I was, I, I, I watched the first two episodes. I was like, well, I got to find out what happens next. Cause now we're clearly on a trajectory. <laughs> And then all of us, and that, and so it even added to it even more because I was like, "Whoa, I'm not getting anything, am I? I'm just going to get King Arthur this episode." And so we did get something else though, because this was also the episode, or was it? Was it this episode or the pre? Yeah, this episode is also the one where uh, Ivanova and Sheridan, you know, get the support from a lot of the League worlds. Oh yeah, that's true. There is so there is there is a development. But I was blinded by King Arthur. There was also the whole delivery. So we got to talk about the mailroom. Plot oh line? yes, yes. Okay, yes, yes. so the mailroom plot line. Who was that guy in the mailroom? I know him from something, or he's just meant to look like someone. I don't from... know. He looked really familiar. You're right. I should have. I should have looked that up. He looked like uh... Mario. This guy. He has like a Mario. Yeah. Effect. Yeah. And uh, and, but he's like the annoying postal guy. And you, you can say that because you're part just... Italian. I can't say that. But, uh... what, what was that? No, I said you could say that because you're part Italian. But I mean, I, he I looks like the character Mario. He's got. He like does a... look like yeah. the character Mario. Um, but uh, but the but he but him and Garibaldi get into it, and Garibaldi is there because he you know he wants like his. He, this is going to be his last shipment of real food. It sounds like, and and the yeah. guy because the situation has gotten bad, the guy is exploiting it and charges like an additional hundred credits or something. And so yeah. there's this extended plot where Garibaldi is trying to sneak in, you know, burn through the the. The, the the gate to the post office at night and the guy's sitting there waiting for him and uh and so i don't know it was it was a sort of pointless uh b plot but it also did reveal some of the like the very real problems that are going to be down coming down the pike when they're no longer in contact with earth and yeah one of those problems yeah. is garibaldi is not going to have sardines and olive oil and all the stuff that he's always talking about cooking with so yeah that's 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 meaningful yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah i mean but yeah the uh and the, yeah there was that plot and the uh yeah and the sheridan and ivanova plot is very kind of quick it's kind of it it, it almost happens a little too easily i'm like well it's like they could have gotten a little more out of that but uh it's that fine, fine. I mean, yeah it was fine i i was i was uh I, th I think it was good that they spent the amount of time on the arthur thing that they did well, but yeah, I'll talk about the lampshading thing too. It's it, you know we talked about how in that scene where Marcus and uh, and Franklin are kind of arguing about whether it's whether he really is Arthur during that council meeting. I like the fact too that it's like at the beginning, you know, Sinclair walks in and they're going, "Okay, he thinks he's who? Okay, well I don't see how any of this is relevant. We've got important business <laughs> to do." And I mean, yeah. That was like another another kind of you know 
kind of almost meta commentary. It's well, like, why are we why are we doing this plot this week? Why? <laughs> well, and I almost thought when he said that 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 meant that the rest of the episode is going to be mostly focused on the important stuff. So I was like, oh, okay, okay, somebody knows what's going on here. And then, but then, no, sure enough, it was it was still the focus was on King Arthur. So yeah. um, not even Sinclair could get the train back on yeah. the tracks. It was sorry. Or Sheridan, right? Sheridan. <laughs> A Sheridan, jeez. No, yeah, I, 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 another friend of mine has just started watching it, so I've been talking about the early episodes with him. So the last podcast, I made the same mistake. I'm like back into the uh, Sinclair, but yeah, Sheridan, Sheridan. But, uh, and also, Jakar became a knight. Jakar is the Red Knight, Sir Jakar. That's right. So. He, is, he is actually knighted now officially by. Uh, Does that count though? If a crazy guy who thinks he's King Arthur knights you. <laughs> uh yeah i'm gonna say it does that's that's my official ruling okay but uh <laughs> yeah but yeah i will say we the 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 next batch of episodes are all 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 plot so yeah okay. uh, you're not you're not you're not gonna have too much diversion here so uh, those will be my holiday viewing is the uh, uh i'll get that and i'll get the christmas special for doctor who so it's gonna be a good weekend yeah, I'd say there's there's two episodes in here which are not primarily big plot stuff. So okay. Yeah, good. and I, I have um uh I have the fourth season all lined up, so I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get right into it. Or uh I'm 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 excited for what's going yeah. on. No, it's it's we're we we've it's it's a, we're we're on a roll here, so but uh yeah, so uh, uh the question is, here's the thing, we're either going to have to do, we might have to do two episodes for the next one, or, because we run into the third a two-parter after that, and I don't think you're going to oh. want to have a two-parter. So we either You've have got, to do two or four, well, we'll talk about it after the podcast, but I think we might be able to do four, if that's okay. the case, because um, with we might have to skip Sunday anyways, because I think that's Christmas Eve, and so, um, yeah. <laughs> so I think... Uh, I think we'll probably end up doing four on the next podcast, but we'll we'll talk about it after. Um, no, okay. but yeah, do, you, do you have anything to add about the uh, about the episodes before we? Ah, uh... Uh, I believe I've covered. Yeah, I've uh, hit all my all my main points on this one. Yeah. Okay. So so all right so yeah I like these. I the King Arthur one was weird, but it somehow worked in an amazing <laughs> way. Um, and I'm never gonna forget. What is it, Abrahamo Lincoln? That that yeah. Was, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Something about that. I just really like that name because um, <laughs> it's such a like, like. I can see a Centauri, you know, sort of not realizing how silly it sounds. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's it's kind of a recurring theme throughout it. You've got you know Jakar not realizing who King Arthur is, and the Centauri not realizing who Abraham Lincoln is. <laughs> so it's a it's a recurring theme throughout these episodes. But, uh, but yeah, so, um, so yeah, we'll be back on um, after the holidays with the, the we're going to talk about the Doctor Who Christmas special. We'll have more Babylon 5. And, uh, and down the pike, we're going to have some other exciting things going on. And um, uh, I should also say um, Adam and I are going to start doing some more gaming podcast stuff again. And so if anybody mm-hmm. has any ideas, let us know. Um, we're going to try to make it really practical. We don't want to do speculative type things we want to really focus on okay like what we're thinking is if if we if we want to talk about a gaming idea we're gonna actually 
test it out at the table and then talk about it in the context of that. We're not going to get we're not going to get too into like theory and uh, and anything that's abstract and uh, is just an idea. We're going to just talk about stuff that we're doing that is working or not working in very practical terms. And um, and yeah, but we'll, we'll, we're gonna, that's sort of in development. So, but if anybody has ideas, let us know. And until next episode, we will see you later.